it's a good thing. You know, it's fun for me because I realized when I was just sitting there, my very first sermon was preached on Father's Day 12 years ago. How the years have flown by. It's amazing. Would you please join me in prayer? And we'll be ending this prayer with the Lord's Prayer. So just be ready for that. Lord God, as we begin a series about you and about the prayer that you taught us, Lord, help us to understand more deeply why you taught us to pray this way, that, Lord, we would put this prayer into practice as we accept your will for our lives, as we rely on you daily. Lord, so many things that you taught us are in this prayer. And so, Lord, hear us as we pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You just did a scripture reading for six sermons. How's that? We're going to do it each time so we get more and more of the meaning of this. We'll be doing this series through August with some breaks when other people are preaching. Do you know where in Scripture the Lord's Prayer comes? Do you know what? what it is within in the Gospel of Matthew and where it is, where you find it in Luke. In Matthew, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount takes place in this beautiful area overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And picture the disciples there. And they are being taught many, many things. They're being taught, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and all the rest of the Beatitudes, they have heard that they're to be salt, that they're to be light. Jesus goes into, you have heard it said, whatever it is, do not murder, but I tell you, do not even be angry. And he raises the bar for their understanding of the law. And he tells them to love their enemies. Love their enemies. Do we do very well with that? That's a hard thing. He tells them then how to give to the needy without being seen by others, without announcing it. And then he comes to this part where he talks about prayer. He proceeds it talking about hypocrites. In the Greek, hypocrite means actor. And hypocrites standing there praying loudly their wonderful prayers. And they are praying not to be heard by God so much as to be seen for being prayerful. People who really want attention, the religious leaders, and he begins to shake the foundation of the religious leadership of the day, saying, this is not what your Heavenly Father would want. This is what you should pray. In the Gospel of Luke, it's preceded by the story of Mary and Martha, and we learn that Martha has an attitude problem, and Mary chooses the better thing of sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him and learning from him. And in those contexts, we come to the Lord's Prayer. In Jesus' time, the Jewish tradition was to have specific times to pray. We see this in different religious practices today as well, that you have prayers in the morning, prayers at noon, prayers at... 
deep, this is tradition. So talking about prayer is a natural thing. The earliest traditions of the church included the Lord's Prayer. It's a special gift given by Jesus himself to us. Of course, as usual, we've messed it up. We've messed it up. So is it our Father who art in heaven or our Father which art in heaven? How many go for the who? That's what we just said, but how many go for the which? You grew up with that tradition. Which art in heaven? Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. Or doubts. When I was a child, I went to a Methodist church. And I had a friend that went to a Presbyterian church. And the only things that I knew were different was that the Presbyterians said debts. And I had learned to say trespasses. And, of course, I thought the Presbyterians were wrong. Now I know better. Now I know better. The other difference had to do with the Apostles' Creed. Methodists don't have them descending to hell. Presbyterians do, and so do Covenanters. So there's disputes about lots of things in the prayer. Is it thy kingdom come? Is, it, is that included in the prayer? Does the prayer end with, lead us not into temptation? Or does it end with, deliver us from evil? Is it, thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever? Or is it forever and ever? I mean, is there an amen? Is there amen? Those are all disputes amongst churches still today. And we'll talk about them as we go through the weeks. Robin Flory, the attorney representing Coleman and Jones, wrote in a July 22nd briefing that by allowing prayers to continue in the face of litigation, commissioners were willfully advancing religion. Flory's indicated he would present the judge with recorded footage of prayers often offered in recent meetings. He said, the impact upon the plaintiffs and all other non-believers is striking. As will be shown at the hearing of this matter on July 26, plaintiffs will proffer a set of videos that show lengthy prayers riddled with the invocation of the Christian deity and at one meeting, a recitation of the Lord's Prayer wherein the entirety of the commission and all other persons, with the exception of the plaintiffs and their supporters, break into spontaneous prayer. Any reasonable observer could well believe the meeting was a church service and nothing more. Amen to the Lord's Prayer. Amen to the Lord's Prayer. So let's begin looking at the prayer itself. What's the first word of the prayer? What was the first word? Do you notice it's not my? Do you ever pay attention to the fact that it's our? That's deeply significant. When I was a chaplain, there was a woman that I was was spending some time with who was lonely. She was very isolated. She was going through very, very tough things. And she told me, she said, Chaplain Mary, I just, I don't have anybody praying for me and, and I don't have anybody to pray with. And God gave me, as I was talking to her, the insight of the Lord's Prayer. And I said, you know that when you pray, our Father, give us. I said, you are praying a prayer with people all over the world. You are not alone. It's not about my Father. God, God did not intend us to be only individuals. There are people out there who say, I don't need church. I don't need church. God and me, we're good. But the prayer that Jesus taught says, our, 
power, Father. It unites us with other believers. We are meant to pray with and for other people. Second word. I'm just going to see your brain. Our Father. Jesus could have used a lot of names. There are a lot of names for God in the Scriptures. There's a whole bunch of them that begin with Jehovah. There's Yahweh. There's Adonai. There's Lord God. There's so many. But he chooses Father. Why? Trivia question. Is this the first time God is referred to as Father? What do you think? I asked somebody last week, I said, this is the first time. And she said, well, I know it's in the New Testament. No, it's not. It happens in the Psalms several times, but the first time that God is referred to as Father is in Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. This is very near the end of Moses' life, very near the end of Moses' final words to his people. He says, Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your Father, your Creator, who made you and formed you? He made you. We, on this Father's Day especially, we look to our Heavenly Father. The word used by Jesus in the Greek means nourisher, protector, upholder, creator, preserver, guardian. It's a title of honor and respect, and it's not the same word as Abba. It's not Daddy. It's Father. So the rest of that verse, who art in heaven, distinguishes our Heavenly Father from our earthly one. It's not to be understood as God being distant. It's not that He's up there, which is what I always thought as a child when I said this. He's up there. I've had a hard time getting used to the idea that He's with me and within me. In the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, it says this, it suggests the apartness of the one who is absolutely superior and who reigns in sovereignty But nearness is also emphasized. He who is lifted up is also near and intimate. Imagine the Jewish followers of the time of Jesus, and they're used to a temple structure which emphasizes the separateness. You have places for the Gentiles, places for the women, places for the men, places for the priests. And then what's in the very center? The Holy of Holies. And who gets to go in there? The high priest once a year with a rope attached to his leg so they can pull him out if he dies in the presence of God. When Jesus dies, that veil is torn that shields the Holy of Holies. But even here, as Jesus is saying, pray this way, he's saying, God is here. He's your Father. It was stunning, I am certain, to those who were listening that day. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. What does that mean? What does that mean? Hallowed. Listen to some translations from other versions of the Bible. Let your name be treated with reverence. May your name always be kept holy. May your holy name be honored. Those all ring okay with you? The, the message, which I don't use as often, says this. Reveal who you are. 
Does that fit with the rest of them? Let your name be treated with reverence. May your name always be kept holy. May your holy name be honored. But the message says, reveal who you are. The Greek says, may your name be sanctified. In the ancient world, a name, calling upon somebody's name, was deeply significant. To act in the name of someone was to exercise that person's protection and command. So when you're speaking in the name of the Father and you're saying, Our Father, you are calling upon his protection. And when you're saying it with others, you're proclaiming that you are calling upon that protection. It's bold to call God Father. Because it tells somebody that who is listening, when you say, My Heavenly Father, God the Father, or any other name for God, you're telling other people that you belong to him. You belong to him. They can count on you to keep God's name holy. Everything that we do, everything that we say, we are reflecting on God's name. One of the things that I remember about names, it was, it was one of my very favorite stories. Put up with me. I'm a mother. I know it's not Mother's Day, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I, I had a, um, a mom of a friend of my son, Robert, and he was Robbie when he was little. He's now 32 with two sons of his own. And the little boy next door called me Robbie Mama. Robbie Mama, that was my name. And one of the best things, we got a car that was belonged to my, my husband's grandmother. And it was one of those giant cars. You remember those really big boats of a car? And Michael, the little boy, had a real fetish for cars and trucks. Loved them. Could tell you models. He was like four years old. He could tell you everything about cars. And he came over and he saw my car. It was green. It was really ugly. And he looked at it and he says, oh, Robbie, Mama, big, big hua. He called cars hua. He called trucks Diaz. And I thought to myself, I'm glad I know what he means. <laughs> I'm glad he knows what I mean. I was the daughter of someone that you would not be proud to claim if you were in my shoes. He was an abusive alcoholic, and I shared in the sermon 12 years ago how I had come to understand that I didn't have to live under the shadow of that horrible, horrible situation, that I'm not defined by who my earthly father is. And some of you are in the same situation I was in. And sometimes we carry this sense of not being good enough because our father or our mother or someone else is not a really great person. I learned that I'm the daughter of the king. You are sons and daughters of the king. You can call upon his name. What's in a name? Here's some quotes to you. His name carries weight. Have you heard that? Would you say God's name carries weight? His name is mud. You never heard that one? Well, fortunately, James, that does not refer to God. Theodore Roosevelt said, The one thing I want to leave my children is an honorable name. And God has left us an honorable name. The request 
is in the Greek, that God might be known for who he is, that people might recognize his holiness. Oh, maybe the message isn't so wrong after all. He is to be known by who he is through us. If I were to translate this, I did this a couple weeks ago, did a Mary translation. So this is another Mary translation for you. Our Father, our Creator, Guide, and Protector, who is both in heaven and right here with us, reveal your holiness that all might recognize your power when they hear your name, that they might realize to whom I really belong. Let that soak in. Our job is to recognize to whom we belong and to realize that our thoughts either honor him or dishonor him. Our actions either honor him or dishonor him. We are the ones that would make his name much. I had someone in my office last week. I'm doing a, a service tomorrow, a memorial service. And this man came in. It, this is through one of the funeral homes in town. He called and asked for a favor. And I said, okay, I would do this. This man is not a believer. He's not a believer. And I asked him, I said, do you, do you have a faith that you lean upon? And he said, well, no. He said, you know, I was raised Catholic. But I left the church when I was in eighth grade because I just didn't see people acting nice to each other. And he said, I explored different faiths, and, you know, I don't get it. I don't get what makes Christians any different than anybody else. And my heart broke. We had a conversation, and I'm praying for him. They need to see those outside these walls need to see that we belong to God. When we call upon him, when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, reveal yourself. And we're saying, reveal yourself through us. We are the ones that can speak. Are you ready to pray the Lord's Prayer? Would you join me in that prayer once again? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We could have the ushers, please.
Would you please stand and sing with us? Oh, 